0: So I try to stay away from "fuck Mary kill" level podcasting on here. I like I I, I really make an effort, and because look, I acknowledge I put out some bad podcasts before, or some mid pods. I think they are like more great and good pods than there are bad ones. But with that said, please indulge me as I, I go into basic territory real quick. Pizza is really the only reheatable fast food and the only fast food where it's also good when it's cold have you tried reheating a burger you, you can't reheat a burger even if you have a burger where it doesn't have any of the the shit that's not good soggy like uh lettuce tomato you know say you have a burger that's just like grilled onions uh pickle burger sauce whatever right it's still not gonna reheat it's not gonna reheat up as well right uh, sandwiches, you can't reheat that up. Panda Express doesn't reheat well, you know, and my Panda Express order is Kung Pao chicken, orange chicken, uh, white steamed rice, and in my older age, uh, mixed green vegetables, so I feel less like a piece of shit, you know? It doesn't, it's, I think, like, with fast food, it's, like, you gotta eat it within 30 minutes. I know this isn't, like, some new revelation, but it's just the fact, though, that the pizza the pizza's always good. Pizza's good cold. Pizza's good warm. I, it, it, cause you know, I used to say things like, eh, I'm kind of whatever about pizza. And people are like, Lyle's whatever about pizza. And I found myself to appreciate pizza more now. I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's like pizza also just like just a regular pepperoni pizza. You could, when it comes to like beverages, it works well with everything. Like a slice and a Coke works, you know, pizza and wine, like pizza and a Chianti works well. I had a pizza with a wonderful uh, white wine from uh, the Canary Islands, you know? Uh, pizza goes well with beer, you know? Pizza, you could do pizza and a cocktail. That could also work, you know, the right kind of cocktail, not too high alcohol content, but like pizza and a margarita could work, you know, like since pizza just works, pizza works cold. It's just the the versatility of pizza. I finally come around and I'm seeing it. Some people like And, and, and just the fact that that it's also good cold, you know, whether it's like a kind of more restaurant-y gourmet pizza or just some like fast food pizza hut shit, pizza's even good cold, you know, uh, fried, some people are like, oh, fried chicken is good cold, fried chicken is good cold for the first few bites, but it's not, no, all right, enough of me being a fat ass, um, shit, (laughs) some things have been happening in my life, uh, recently had a, a a birthday that was cool turned uh turn tray tray turned 33 um and i didn't like it was like a real cuz i have like different types of birthdays that i like to do cuz like when you're in a a relationship or you have like or you damn near in a relationship and have like a main squeeze like that birthday is kind of like it's like you, you see the girl she she gets a hair did. She puts on some lingerie that she like, and she takes you out to dinner and drinks and fucks the shit out you. And you don't really have to do a lot of work. Like you don't have to go down on her. You don't have to. It's like you you can be lazy, you know. Because sometimes, like I'm gonna be honest, like, and I think this is important in relationships sexually. I think it's okay if I'm lazy, and it's okay. If she's lazy, not all the time, but there's certain times where it's like, look, dude, I need to get fucked. (laughs) Like, I don't want to fuck you. I need I need to get fucked. You know, I need you to just get on top and ride it. I need you to suck and ride, you know, and let me hit it from the back. You know what? You just want to lay there while I give you a long ass massage and finger you and get carpal tunnel you know, because you had a rough day and you just need to lay on your back and get pleasured. That's okay. I got you. I think that's okay, like, in a, a relationship, like, when you see somebody, like, it's okay to have, but in the beginning, like, both parties gotta be trying hard and, you know, get your cardio up, you know? It also can't be, like, a regular thing. It's like, you, you guys both got it. Anyways, um, birthdays. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, man, I didn't want to do too much because my birthday fell uh, on a Tuesday this year and I didn't want to like I didn't want to have like some girl do something for me that I'm not like really, really fucking with like that. I'm not really serious with because I can send the wrong, wrong message or whatever. I didn't want to uh, wait to the weekend to do something and then I do like some big party and my friends try to get me laid and drunk and all that other stuff, and then I'm extending my birthday. Uh, I didn't want to like go out to dinner with niggas, you know. I just I was on some like I'm gonna do what I want to do. This is where I'm gonna be. Y'all niggas can pull up. I'm not gonna put too much pressure on it this year. That that, that was my thing, right? So I woke up, went to the gym. I didn't feel like lifting weights because I I lifted really hard the day before. Did cardio. I did returning 33, I did 33 minutes of cardio, mix of sprints, incline, uh, resetting with, with you know, just walking, jogging, sprints, repeat, 33 minutes, got off, and my gym is in Echo Park. So, after the gym, well, before the gym, I went to this dispensary that's right by my house. They They are so fucking nice. Went to the dispensary, got myself a pre-roll blunt, and he even threw in a freebie. By the way, like, I I live in uh, Koreatown now. People are, like, so fucking nice. Like, even, like, people just, like, happier and pleasant. Like, obviously, I lived in Hollywood before, and that fucking sucked. But I don't know, just something about K-Town where it's this nice little oasis where people are just, like, a lot more chill and friendly. It's, I don't know, I appreciate it. It's kind of like how, like, oh, because, you know, I do comedy in other cities a lot. It's kind of like how, like, I'll oh, be in another, like, I, I was in Nashville, and even though, like, it's like, yeah, it's a lot of racists there, obviously, and you feel a little uncomfortable. And Nashville's obviously a racist ass town. Still, it's like, yo, these motherfuckers are friendly though. <laughs> like, know, like when I was in St. Louis, it's like people be showing love and shit. You know, like it's it's cool. Anyways, that that's kind of what K town is like. So, got my weed uh, at, after the gym. Then I walked around uh, the lake smoking a blunt. And it's the lake around Echo Park is is because I'm used to, I was, you know, came up around Lake Merritt in Oakland, and that's some sad shit. Some motherfuckers getting robbed. It's barbecue Becky's. It's people getting shot on accident when the Warriors won. The parade was there. And of course, somebody got shot, you know, because niggas can't just be happy for Clay Thompson. They got to go fuck up. Clay Thompson's fun. <laughs> and uh anyways, uh nah, that was cool. Then what I did. Um. After I smoked the blunt, called an Uber, and I went to, uh, Honor Bar in Beverly Hills. And Beverly Honor Bar is dope because Honor Bar is like a place, so it's like connected, it's like three businesses that are all connected to each other. There's, I can't remember the name of the other spot, but it's, it's basically like, if you ever been to Houston's, it's kind of like that where like, it's like, um, you know, uh, it's not quite a steakhouse, but it's it's like just right below being a steakhouse, so it's like good wine menu, good cocktail menu, and then you just get regular like rotisserie, roasted chicken, steak, pork chop. It's real like kind of that. Then next door is Honor Bar, where all they serve is burgers, sandwiches, and sushi, and they got a good wine list there too, and good cocktails, and then next door is a wine shop, and you can buy something there. No corkage fee to open it up, so I got myself... A nice, uh, a nice NorCal bottle f- uh, of Pinot Noir, got myself a rainbow roll, you know, I was chatting with a nice lady, that's one, that's also why, I like, Honor Bar, too, is, like, you, you can meet some bitches at Honor Bar, uh, and not just, you know, you meet some nice ladies, but also, like, you just meet, like, dudes that's, like, in the industry, like, I met, like, a lot of actors there, like, like uh, somebody's like an agent's assistant, somebody that's on somebody's desk and trying to become an agent or manager. This is like a good place to network. I I fuck with honor bar. That's my advice. Like if you want to break into showbiz and you just get into LA and you just kind of want to network, but you don't want it to be so intense, hang out at a happy hour in Beverly Hills. And that's that's where you'll meet like the, you know, some regular folk that are just hustling, trying to make it. And they're grabbing a drink there just due to proximity i personally go there because I, I sometimes i just want a chicken sandwich or some sushi and i want to open a bottle of wine and chill and i've and i've uh i've also met women there so that's that's that too um no but i did that and then just did like a went to a neighborhood bar and then just yeah my birthday is just like my niggas some comics you know. Uh, um, maybe a, a few potentials rolled through. Uh, maybe they didn't, but, you know, it was a, it was a chill. Birthdays are, you know, birthdays are, are important, though. Like, and it had me, it had me reflect on other milestones. Because birthdays are great and important, deserve to be celebrated. But the real shit is the milestones that make up your everyday life. Like graduating college, transferring from a city college to a four-year college, you know, milestone could be when you first moved out your hometown, uh, you know, when you moved out to your your parents' house, when you got your first big boy or big girl job. And when I say big boy job, I mean jobs with like dental and and stock options and shit, you know. Or it could be a, or a milestone could be when you took a trip somewhere that inspired you to live life differently. Because it sounds crazy that a vacation can be life-altering, but some people just needed that one trip to London or Costa Rica, and it wakes something up inside of them to make life more meaningful for themselves and discover more on an everyday level. And then they go to these places and they bring back things with them that they implement in their day-to-day life. And then some people some people are just also obviously annoying about it, like some, some people just bring up that two-week trip to Iceland and never let it go. And they also never change. It's just like, oh, now that's like, oh, wait, is that your friend that went to Iceland and kind of always brings it up? Like, I dated this chick, and she, like, she was in Australia for, like, I don't know, like, a semester. She was studying abroad. Oh, she was studying abroad. What's her name? <laughs> she was stu- I, I'm sorry. That's, like, such a weak-ass joke, but I can't help it. But like everything will be like, so when I was in Australia, when I was in Australia, it's like, all right, bitch, I get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like everything. And then you got them other people that like, especially like women. It's dudes like this too. But that are like over 35, don't have kids, and they single, and their personality is just kind of like, I go on vacations. I travel. It's like, nigga, who cares? Um, but those milestones kind of like, I think it's good to reflect like on, on things that you did and things that kind of like not, not, I mean, birthdays are a good place to reflect, but I think it's also like these things that were kind of like turning points for you. I think it's good to just kind of like look back and then look at where you are now and you know, not beat yourself up, you know, maybe you don't want to celebrate, but maybe just kind of like, hmm, interesting. How's the, how the time has passed? I don't know. It's different for everybody. Um, but for me it's a it's a few things. It's it's uh I just had a comedy anniversary, 13 years in. Me and Jimmy Butler have been at it the same amount of time. Jimmy Butler's been in the NBA. Well, obviously Jimmy Butler was playing basketball way before I started doing it. <laughs> yeah. But Jimmy Butler NBA, he's in in his thirteenth season, and I am now thirteen years in stand up. Probably for total career earnings. <laughs> Stand up! I've, I've made like what? What was Jimmy's rookie contract? <laughs> like, I'm like i don't even want to calculate those two. I'm just gonna make it's gonna make me sad. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 the it's the comedy anniversary. Then it's also Drake's "Nothing Was the Same" just turned ten years old like a few weeks back. And, and you know, I also don't really like to think about comedy anniversaries because I'm not where I want to be. So I'm just kind of constantly looking forward, you know? So, like, the things that are landmarks for me is more so going to be art and pop culture that serve as, like, you know, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. And then it makes me think about, like, the other shit, you know, like when I started doing stand-up or, like, when I started doing shows, when I started traveling or producing shows or whatever, you know? Um. I think about the landmarks a lot like 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 there's a time like now if I'm going to the Bay Area, I'm I'm getting on a Alaska Airlines flight or a Delta like I'm not I'm not taking Amtrak. I'm not getting in a car with some uh, fuck off Craigslist or a comic. I know like I'm fucking flying. But I've done that drive so many times. That after a certain point, it just kind of became easy to zone out. And when I would see that BART station, you know, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm here. It's been five hours. It's been six hours. I'd see that first BART station in West Dublin or Fremont, and it made me realize how much time has gone by. So Drake's nothing was the same turning ten years old has made me realize how much time has gone by. Because I don't really think about the time, like I said. Like I'm just kind of like Okay. Okay. Let's make content. All right. Let's see how the pod works. Okay. Maybe we need to switch some things up with the pod. Okay. Another Laugh City. Okay. Going on the road. Oh, we open for Sam. Oh, we open for Trenton. Okay. We doing this. Oh, I got some headline dates over here. I'm. I got the casino. All right. Let me line this up. All right. Let me try to string that. Okay. Wait. How much money is is these two gigs together? Six hundred dollars. All right. Let's try to turn that six hundred into a thousand. Let's see what we can line up over here and if it makes sense. Like I'm always kind of in that mind state. That I'm not really thinking about. I'm not really thinking about like the past or like reminiscing too hard. But Drake's Nothing was the same turn of 10 is making me do that, you know? Because uh, it got me thinking about a time in my life where I was very optimistic. And hopeful about the future. You know. Because a few things did work out the way I wanted. And most of the things. At that time. 10 years ago. Did not work out the way. I wanted. But I tried. I went for it. And all you can do. In this life is rinse and repeat. That's all you can do. Things don't always go as planned. LeBron James. Wants to play with his son. I honestly think. If for LeBron. If it was like. You could get six rings or play with your son. I think LeBron would pick playing with his son. And because we, like, we know how much not growing up with like... Because, you know, certain guys like... Like, okay, like AI, for example. AI. Also, you know, a lot of NBA players did grow up with fathers in the home. I think it's just that with like Allen Iverson, LeBron, and a few other guys who grew up in single-parent homes, that narrative just got like, oh, a single-parent home. But it's like... Kobe, Michael, um you know like the list. <laughs> I know I just said two and I didn't keep going. But it's like pretty pretty much every nigga whose dad played in the NBA, obviously grew up with the dad in the home. And now it's like a lot of guys like, you know, Stephen Clay, uh Magic Johnson grew up with his pops, you know. Kareem grew up with his pops. Like a lot of these guys like grew up with with, you know, with uh fathers in the home, you know. But anyways, it's with LeBron, you could kind of tell that, like, he really did wish he had that there. And you can tell how much, like, family matters to him. So, I, I really do think that... Well, And also, like, if LeBron want, wins, like, six rings, it's like... People are still going to be like, yeah, but Jordan did it this many times in a row. Well, look at, like, his fine. Like, there's always going to be people that will discredit him. And it's like... I think LeBron, like, l- let's say Lakers win a ring this year. I hope... Uh let's, let's say that happens. This is maybe the last year he could potentially be Finals MVP, right? And we'll we'll get into the NBA preview talk later. <clears throat> but say he wins like what, he's at 4 now. Say he wins two more. If he's not Finals MVP, it's kind of like uh all right, whatever. AD won him, AD, AD him the next two Or, or I mean, Brown will probably, like, ring chase until he's, like, 45, 46, I'd imagine. And average 15 to 17 points, which he could very well do, you know, until, like, his mid-late 40s. But anyways, I think Brown really wants to play with his son. And it's like, you know, Bronny, you know, hopefully he bounces back. But, you know, he had the cardiac arrest, and it just may... That just may not happen. Like, and Braun did everything he could do, and he's stayed in shape, and he's in the ice chambers, and he's drinking these weird smoothies, and he's having these extreme workouts, and, you know, he's, what, he was spending, like, a million dollars on his body with inflation, and other guys probably spending a million dollars on their body a year. He's probably up to, like, 2.5 million a year on his body now at this point. And, you know, there's a strong chance that he's just not going to play with his son, even outside the cardiac arrest thing. Like, who knows if, you know, he would have made it to the league. But, um, yeah. Things don't go as planned, always. You know. But you just do what you can do. But it makes me think about that time where I was just like really opt like really optimistic, and I was like running around San Francisco, doing sets, taking a bart in from Oakland, and I was starting to run shows and get some money in my pocket and getting pussy and and just being out regularly. It just takes me back, and I like a soundtrack to that, and it it was Drake, it was Kendrick, it was Cole, it was Kanye, it was Jeezy, it was Lil Wayne. And there was a certain pep and exuberance that was perfect for, for my post-angsty teenage Tupac years. 2008 to 2014 was a special time musically where I just was like, man, it's this, this going to be all right, man. Shit, shit's looking up, right? And I say all that because it has me because I'm in a space now where I'm like really... I'm like really feeling like, okay, I'm like kind of getting back. I don't want to say I'm getting back into myself. I'm getting into like a newer, better version of myself. And I'm not going to make this all like, so I've been through so much. I'm not going to turn this into like a, a like a, a pussy pod. Well, not like the, the good pussy pods that I've done. But I mean like, a, like I, I'm not turning this into a sad boy pod. But what I'm saying is what sucks is like, there's no music right now that represents that. Cause I think about that time and it's like 2008 to 2014. It's like, there's optimism in the air because you know, first black president change, you know, we got Barack Obama. We got, um, shit is just looking different now with like the types of rappers that we see. It's like, Oh, we got Drake. We got this light skinned biracial dude. Oh, we got J Cole. We got another light skinned biracial dude. Uh, we got Kendrick Lamar. We got a nigga from Compton, but he's not killing nobody in his music. But it's still like you can still play it in the clubs. It's not like that Talib Kweli sounded shit. You know, it's not like Backpacker. You know, it's... And there was just like a s- sort of like optimism for black men in America at that time. And I think the music was a lot more motivated. Like even like GZ Stug Motivation, like My President is Black and like a lot of other joints on there... It's like triumphant. It's it's horns and trumpets and, and this big synth bass, and it's like you really feel like you, you you can fucking take over the world. And now I look at where we're at, and it's like with the way the music is. It's like, and this is like a whole another conversation about Sonics and the fact that like a lot of music is being made for uh, the the phone and, and excuse me, and, and Instagram stories and TikToks as opposed to car speakers and shit like that. Like that's a whole nother conversation and mumble rap. And the fact these niggas want to show us how high they can get in their music. But outside of that, it's like day to day. It's hard to be optimistic, optimistic, just walking out the house. Cause I think about like that time from 08 to uh, 2014, I didn't see homeless people all over the place. I didn't see tents, you know, outside the house. I didn't see, you know, motherfuckers on the side of the freeway and you see like tent cities. You see, uh, in certain places, like in the Bay area, there's like certain areas where they got like these little makeshift homes, you know, but I didn't see that shit. You know, it's, it was just kind of confined to a certain area. Like, in L.A., it was confined to uh, uh, fucking Skid Row, you know. And the Bay Area, like, it was confined to People's Park in Berkeley and, like, certain areas of, you know, Oakland, SA, whatever. But it was it was not all over the place like it is now. And I go other places, like San Diego, where I'm like, all right, man, let me let my hair down. I'm like, damn, it's all over the place here. And I talk uh, to my man, Ted, who lives in Maui. He prayers out to them. Shouts out to them, like, hope hope they doing well. Um, and Tej is like, oh, yeah, dude, no, the homeless shit is a problem here, too. Like, they're flying out, and it, like, in Utah and shit, they have people from mental hospitals, and they send them, like, a one-way ticket over here and stuff. It's, it's all fucked. So, and, and I'm not trying to, like, blame homelessness or, like, the fact there's so much shitty rap music right now. All I'm saying is, I think... I think the music really reflects the times that I think it's like, yeah, man, we, we've been in the house and I really just don't think in, in general, we've been the same since COVID. Cause you got to think about how many years that we gave up because like 2020, I was looking to like really do some shit and then the world shuts down and then we partially reopened in like 21 like during the summer and then it's like oh it's, it's, it's coming back and then we shut down again and then we slowly reopening and now it and it's like we're not going to shut down again ever like that but it's like people I think I might have gotten covid a while back anyways yeah man this these these albums art has me looking back and just has me thinking about where we were where we are and uh hopefully we find some inspiration soon this is the let's unpack that podcast i'm your host lyle barons uh today we're gonna unpack uh just things that have been going on in the culture nuke. we're gonna talk uh in depth at uh the keyfiD e. d e. d's arrest tupac's unsolved murder we're gonna talk uh hip-hop media and a little nba preview hope you guys enjoy the show on your Uh, commute to work as you guys are closing up uh, the shop as you guys are cleaning the house if you're on an airplane hope you enjoy it with your coffee hope you enjoy it with your cocktail or your marijuana and if you enjoy this please rate it 5 stars if you don't rate it 5 stars I am inclined to believe that you are a bitch ass nigga so an arrest has been made in the murder of Tupac Shakur (coughs) So, I'm gonna give you guys like a real quick crash course on everything that happened a- around that because it's not just as simple as like you know Pac getting shot and then people didn't know and a nigga started doing interviews. And I gotta, I, I gotta remind myself that I gotta give y'all a crash course because sometimes I forget that not everybody is a Tupac historian. West Coast hip-hop file like I am. <laughs> like, I forget that. Because, like, me, I'm, like, really into that shit. And I forget, like, yeah, other people weren't into that. And for me, it was, like, I mean, well, first off, it was, like, the music was banging. Like, obviously, I love... I'm going to have a proclivity for, like, Dre and Snoop and Pac and them. But also, it's, like... It had every... Like, with Tupac, it had everything that a, a teenage kid from like born in the early nineties could want. Like it's, you know, it's got, you got Las Vegas, you got nineties nostalgia, you got, um, you know, East versus you got LA versus New York, West coast versus East coast. You know, you got, uh, Las Vegas, the Vegas strip, you got gang culture. It's, it's so many things that were, were, uh, Mike Tyson is involved in it. There's so many things that for me, that kept me interested in Pac as a teenager, and any new information that would come out. Like I read everything; I read a bunch of books on Pac and and everything, and and Dre and Death Row. Like I really, I really could <laughs> tell you about that shit from front to back. But that's not why you guys come to me for. Um, but also, also like my relationship with Pac is has changed. Because he doesn't sound as good to me with 33-year-old nigga ears. He doesn't sound as good to me with the ears of somebody that's about something and 33 years old. Because I don't like like, the stuff he raps about, like, I don't really want to hear that shit anymore. Now, I don't want to talk about, like, rapper. And I love his music. His music still sounds great. Like, he great artists, just production, Johnny J, QD3, all this great artists. It's not about that, right? For me, and it's like, I don't like to judge rappers I don't listen to and be like, oh, they ain't saying shit I want. Like, like a Big Sean, like Big Sean isn't somebody like, I don't really like the way he raps. I'm not really in to the stuff that he talks about. So with Big Sean, it's just kind of like, do I like the song or do I not? Do I like the beat or do I not? Do I like the flow on the hook or do I not? But it's I'm not somebody... and When Big Sean puts something out, like, I'll go and check it out. But I, I'm just using his him as an example. I'm not trying to hate. But it's like, you know, I'm kind of give or take. Where somebody like J. Cole, like, I I was with J. Cole since probably 20, 2009, 2010. Whenever, like, he's his uh, early dat piff that like before um, sideline story dropped and with Cole, it was like, he was rapping about stuff I wanted to hear. He was saying it in a way that I wanted to hear. And then there was a time where it's like the music started getting more sleepy. It was a little too pretentious. And I was never on the train of there was like that kind of internet movement. that was like, fuck J Cole. I was never on that, but <clears throat> oh yeah, and then it was like J. Cole has no bangers. And it was like two sides. It was J. Cole with platinum with no features, and then it was J. Cole has no bangers. And I was always on the side of like, you know, he's not that type of rapper where he, he would he makes quote unquote bangers. By the way, no role model says a fucking banger. Um he's not that type of rapper, but it was like the shit Cole was talking about on For Your Eyes Only and like the project after that. Uh, K.O.D. It was just kind of like, with the, I liked Kevin's heart, but it was like, I'm not really trying to hear you talk about dumb young niggas, rappers, and like, oh, you just in in Zans. Like, I'm just not into that. Like, if I'm gonna hear a nigga rap about dope, it's gonna be Future. You know, I was kind of off the. And then Cole with the with the last album, like he's that motherfucker. That 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 joint grew on me too. Anyways, um. This isn't about cold. This is about Pac. But with Pac, he, I kind of like grew out of it. But at the same time, it's like I know all that stuff very well. So with that said, um, 1996 there. I'm a, and there, by the way, there's like so much to this. Like I would recommend watching a Vlad. I would re- recommend watching. A, I think it's called Murder Rap. It's a documentary that goes into it. Uh, Death Row Chronicles on BET. And if you want like a shorter version, um, Vlad TV and Vlad doesn't talk during it. So it's not like you have to watch a bunch of Vlad TV interviews. Vlad does, uh, there's a deep dive video on all the shit that happened in Vegas and with the, with the gang politics and and the rap shit on, uh, that's from the dude that did murder, the murder rap doc. I want to say anyways. Um, so in 1996, two things uh, were going on. One, there was a uh, beef between Southside Compton Crips and Mob Pyru Bloods, which is Shook Knight set. And another thing was there was also a bounty for Death Row Chain. Some people say they were from uh Puff Daddy and Bad Boy Records. Some people were saying the other people. Uh, but yeah, 10 grand for uh for, for death row chain at the time, allegedly. So a member of the death row entourage, uh Trevon Lane. Tr- Trayvon Lane, he got his chain snatched at the Lakewood Mall by, I want to say it was Orlando Anderson. Uh they all jumped him, took his chain. Fast forward a few months later, <clears throat> they're at the fight in Vegas. And Trayvon Lane allegedly says, like, I don't think some people are like he said. He said it to Pac, and Pac went over, and then other people, like, he just said it, and they're like, oh, shit, that's the nigga right there, and then Pac on his own volition, which is very believable, went off and punched him to the floor, or I don't I can't, don't know if he punched him to the floor, but he hit him, and then everybody else joined in, and then they're kicking him, and Shug's kicking him, and then it's a melee, and I, I want to say they got the chain back, but they all whooping his ass, and then... Pock and Shug, leave, go somewhere. I think they go to like Shug's house real quick, change clothes, come back, and then they're driving around. They're supposed to go to this club, Club 662, which uh, on a telephone, back when we had telephones, on an old rotary phone, house phone, uh, 662 is M.O.B., member of Bloods. (laughs) So they're headed to the Club 662, and by the way, just to let you know how deep I, I like I've been in, like there's a whole article about like Club Six Six Two, and apparently like even though Suge owned the building, they only st- were open for like three or four nights, like over the span of a few months. But they never were like open consistently as a club. It was just a place that they would do like after parties or whatever in Vegas after like Tyson fights or whatever, and album releases. Anyway, so get ready to head to Club Six Six Two, and then. Uh, Orlando Anderson, who got knocked out at, uh, Orlando Anderson, who, who, uh, him and his, uh, fellow Southside Compton Crips took the chain at the Lakewood mall, right? Orlando Anderson, who got beat down Orlando Anderson, AKA baby lane, Orlando Anderson, whose name also came up in a few murders prior to this whole Tupac thing, right? He's a known player. Him and his uncle, Keefy D, and two other dudes are riding around looking for Pac. They see him at the intersection. Keefy D uh, hands him uh, the gun, Orlando Anderson bust, and then the rest is history. Pac dies a few days later while in a coma. And how do we get this information Right. Uh, Oh, and Afeni Shakur, like uh, while Orlando Anderson was still alive, she filed like a wrongful death suit. So Afeni Shakur, Pac's mom died knowing who killed her son. Right. But how do we get this information? We got this information because uh, Keefe D was he got uh, caught up on uh, in uh, 2008. In an unrelated charge It was, uh, I think he had like some PCP on him or something And While that's happening, Greg Cading, Who's LA detective uh, (coughs) Excuse me (coughs) Greg Cading interviews Orlando Anderson about uh, The Tupac killing And uh, they had a thing Queen for a day, a proffer in uh, a proffer queen for a day is basically a written agreement between federal prosecutors and individuals under criminal investigation, which permit these individuals to tell the government about their knowledge of crimes with the supposed assurance that their words will not be used against them in any later proceedings. Right. Now, with that said, uh, it, it, they can or like kind of like, like that's Bill Cosby didn't have that, but like in a deposition, like he kind of admitted to something that and it, it couldn't have been used later. I remember Bill Cosby and I read this, I didn't hear this, but it was, it was about a, a woman that was over. And I think this was the first woman, Andrea Costa or something like that. And I read it, uh C- Cosby said, um, Whatever it started and I couldn't help but read it in his voice during the deposition he said it was somewhere between rejection and acceptance but it was not verbal (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at that but it's it's Cosby well yes this is still a comedy podcast nigga what the fuck anyway so De- during uh the Queen for a day that KVD had, he uh he told the story and it's recorded. You guys can find it online and all these uh other documentaries. Then he put out a book called, I think it was like Compton Street Legend or something like that, where he talks about what happened, and it's all these other people like and Vlad is like just as much a Tupac historian as Lyle Barron's. Vlad's doing all these interviews with all these people that are there, he had like uh he had like the cop that found uh Pox shot up and got to hear Pac's last words. I wanna say he even had like the EMT on. And then people were making jokes like, damn, he gonna have like the janitor at the hospital on there too. Damn, he gonna have somebody that was at the casino that was working the box. You know, like it's just you know like So anyways, and then eventually he had Keefy D on and Keefy D goes on and he's like, you know, y'all make it loud for me, cause it was uh ED from the Outlaws. It was like, yo, I thought gangsters are supposed to move in silence while you're doing all these interviews. And Keefe D was like, well, y'all making it loud for me. Vlad making it loud for me. These documentaries make it loud for me, so I got to go out and speak for myself. Now, with that said, with uh, Keefe D having the proffer and being leaked or whatever, so it's like he can't be charged for statements that he made within that. Th- and there's no like DNA because they were shooting from a car. <coughs> Excuse me. But with that said, um, if Kefi e. D talks about it outside of that, he can be charged. He talked about it in documentaries, and um, and yeah, and then now he finally got charged, and he got charged with murder. And because before a few months ago, they went, they had like went through his house, and then they finally filed charges, and they had been asking Kefi e. D like in these interviews, like. Like, uh, if you get charged, like, was good? And then he said, hey, man, just, well, it is what it is, man. I, I, I live on that. And then Suge Knight talked to Harvey at TMZ, and Suge said he won't cooperate, and he's not happy to see Keithy e. D in that situation, and that they, like, play Pop Warner football together in Compton and knew each other and all that stuff. So, and, and the thing that people got to keep in mind for – for for the people involved in this, including Pac, it's an Omerita situation, right? And the the first responder that got those met Las Vegas Metro Police, he pulled up on a bike, and he saw Tupac. And he's like, "Who shot you? Who shot you?" And he said that Pac was like grasping for air. Then he looked up and he said, "Fuck you!" And then and he said that was exactly how he said it. It wasn't like a movie where he's like, "Fuck you." It's just like he, he finds the words, fuck you, right? So I don't even think Pac would probably would want Orlando or Keefe in jail or want anybody to say who did it because Pac, it's like, yeah, I was involved in gang business, and, you know, I, I inserted myself in that situation, and I accept what comes with it, you know? that's I mean, that that's my take, that, my guess on that. Um because They've been asking everybody and like with the exception of like his relatives, like they've been asking the outlaws, and they're just kinda like the game is the game, right? But anyways, that's basically the situation. I know I took like about like twelve minutes to explain it, and there's plenty of more gang politics, and there's stuff where like Diddy and some East Coast guys come into play and all that, and you guys could, you know, if you guys have any interest, you guys can find that stuff on your own. Anyways, um My takeaway from all this is this. I have a few takeaways. One, if YouTube and social media were around in any era, niggas would be telling. Because Keefe D, he was like about 30 years old when this crime occurred. He's 60 years old now. And he's running around telling and telling stories about all this other stuff. And I... (sighs) And, and like when he talks about Pac, like, it's all, also disrespectful. It's like, you know, there's one where he says something like, yeah, Pac was duck. It looked like he was break dancing. And like, it's this dude is not lying about what happened, even though there may be a loophole because on one of the Vlad interviews or something like that, he said like, oh, yeah, I, I said like we poured out some liquor for Pac. And then in the interview he said like, well, we poured some liquor into our mouths. We just said that for the book because, you know, you got to be dramatic and, you know, entertainment purposes. So you may have like a loophole with certain things, but probably not. Anyways, um, what was I gonna say? Uh, <coughs> yeah, like I think like the likes and every and some of these were paid interviews, so I do think that you know like there also was like a financial motivation with this. And I guess he Keefy D has some cancer, so that may have been paying for treatments, or he may have been just like fuck it, I'm gonna die anyways, might as well talk my shit. And just, you know, give people the truth. But then he get the likes. And and, and I, I bet you fucking people have been. Because, co- look, if if OJ Simpson could li- live peacefully in Las Vegas and people are taking pictures with him and he killed two white people, right? I know for a fact people is coming up to Keith e. D asking for pictures and shit, you know, this because fame is fame. At the end of the day, famous fame, celebrity is celebrity. Some people don't give a fuck. It's people that are like, fuck Donald Trump. I ain't vote for him. They would take a picture with Donald Trump, right? So fate was just addicting all around from the people like that are interacting to the people, then telling the stories. And I wholeheartedly believed it. If YouTube and podcasts were around back in the day, John Gotti and Al Capone would have been on the motherfuckers because they're the more flashy, you know, mobsters, um, Oh also a little quick side note some people it was uh I don't know it was I don't know if it was one of the outlaws or something but so Orlando Ander- Orlando Anderson was like very skinny and some people said that it was like a like a fat big arm out the window shooting anyways um other thing that I mean and this this isn't like a, a huge takeaway but um rap ain't real nor should it be Because nobody pulled up on Keefe D for Pac like they did in the songs, nor should they. Orlando Anderson, when he was alive, there's an interview of Orlando Anderson. I think he did like two interviews. He did one um, in Vibe Magazine with dude, uh, uh, he, he wrote the book Monster. And what's, God, what's, let me look it up right now, uh, Sankaya S- Shakur. I, I don't know how to say his first name, but he's, he, game. you know what? I'm not, am not even going to get into it. Uh, cause I'm going to go on a whole rabbit hole anyways, but Orlando Anderson, he did an interview and vibe with, uh, this, uh, gang member that wrote a very popular New York times bestseller book and who was also friends with Pac. And then he also did an interview, uh, he did like a TV interview and he is—he has a shit-eating grin on his face. He's—he's he's like, nah, man, I didn't kill Pac. Not any smiling. And then people like related to Orlando are or saying like he was bragging about it. And basically, he was just walking around Compton like, yeah, I, yeah, I smoke Pac and like cracking jokes about it. And me seeing that interview and him smile, it's like, oh, that nigga definitely had to kill Pac, anyways. Um, but the whole thing is—is—is is, is when I say rap ain't real is. Nobody, like the outlaws didn't pull up on him. Snoop didn't pull up on him. Suge Knight didn't pull up on him and do whatever. And then Suge Knight, like allegedly, like, because that was a parole violation of Suge uh, stomping out Orlando in Vegas. Suge allegedly paid Orlando something like fifty, sixty thousand 60000 to say that Suge wasn't stomping me out. He was helping me, even though the video cameras say different. And then Suge ended up doing like six, seven years for that parole violation. Um... But just that this rap shit ain't real. Because then it's like, okay, like, niggas say all this shit. And I say that not as, like, a 33-year-old man, but I say that I'm kind of saying that to the 13, 14-year-old me that was so, like, enthralled in this world and in these stories and that listened to the music. and I can't repeat rap lyrics anymore because I replaced, like, all my memory for rap lyrics with... uh, (sighs) my stand up comedy routine it's like i got to remember my fucking material like i can't i don't have time to remember you know the the second verse from blasphemy of machiavelli like I can't, I can't And rightfully so but just that i was like you listen to these niggas and you know like okay they didn't do they ain't doing everything they say they doing but you figure like all right they going to do some of it but it's like all right pot gets pot gets killed and then everybody's just trying to save their they ass or on with their life. Like, she like, Oh, 60,000. I ain't trying to go back to jail. Say I didn't do it. You know? And it's like, you don't like, you don't expect the outlaws to go run up and do something on, on a uh, pox behalf. Cause it's like, they got kids. They trying to make a living. It's like, what the fuck? I'm gonna look like running around looking for an Orlando Anderson. So it's like, okay, my nigga dead. And now I'm in jail. What? Or, or Keefie D. It's like, you know, Outlaws is like pushing 50 years old. Like, what they look like trying to like kill a 60-year-old nigga. You know like, it's, what the. F- <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just it, this rap shit ain't real. And it, it, all this loyalty, you know. It's like people... People talk a lot is what I'm saying. Because I'm just saying, based on Pox music, you would think that... And also, like, a mini-gang war did ensue after the fact... But I'm talking about like the niggas that we know, like Outlaw, Suge. You would really think the niggas was like, you know, gonna pull up. And by the way, that even a Pac didn't get killed. That gang war probably still would have occurred eventually. Um, or mini gang war, as they called it. Uh, and my hot take on all this is, and this, this is like a hot take that Pac, because by the way, I think like the worst fan bases in hip hop, are Tupac and Eminem? Two Tup- Eminem's fan base sucks because w- most of them like are not black, mostly white, and they're not really fans of rap music. Like m- the average Eminem fan th- were like Stan, I should say. They like probably like Fifty Cent, Tupac, and maybe like a few. Maybe they're like you know Tech Nine or somebody like that. But for the most part, they're not really fans of the genre. They're not really fans of the music. It's like they just relate to and the stuff that they relate to Eminem is the stuff that has a lot of brothers. Like, Man, I ain't trying to listen to this like weird white boy shit. Like, yeah, he can rap his ass off. And yeah, Marshall Mathers LP is a classic. Yeah. The Eminem show is dope. Yeah. Eight miles, a cool movie, but nah, this shit don't resonate with me. Right. And then pox stands are just crazy. Cause pox stands are still like me when I was 13 years old, but like they're now like in their thirties, forties and, you know, a few in their fifties and just still kind of like delusional about who Pac was and what he could have been. And I, I'm, I'm not saying this is like, I'm trying to like shit on a 25 year old because he, but it. I don't see this is necessarily an attack at Pac, but more so in a challenge on what we tell ourselves within the culture, right? So my hot take is Tupac was not going to change. And I think like even if Pac didn't get killed in Vegas, I think somebody like, he, I'll put it like this. I don't see Pac living past 1997. I really don't. Because the thing is, like, okay, the average guy, when the average guy goes through something, you typically switch up. Like, the average, like, square dude has something, they're like, all right, you know what, I need to scale back on that. And that could be, like, and, I, and I'm saying square dude, right? It could be a DUI. It could be you get in a fight outside a bar it could be a domestic situation you know where you, you you get into it with your girl or like she called the cops first so you called the cops and you you know it could be a situation where you find yourself in the in the court system you know because you often is because you drank too much or something like that or, or it could be you know you lose your job and as you lost your job, everything in your life was falling apart. Like you wasn't good with your lady, you know. You was drinking or smoking too much, or doing a little too much blow, or uh, whatever, right? The average guy goes through some shit like that. It's funny too, right? Because it'd be like it—it <laughs> it would be like a lot of comedians in small towns and places like Ventura and shit and they would get a DUI, and they'd make, like, these long fucking Facebook posts. <laughs> like, like, hey, man, life is just really, I'm just really changing. You know, and, like, you would think them niggas got shot nine times. Like, it's <laughs> a way. But there's... <laughs> that small-town guy that gets a DUI, it's, it's so cute. Not as cute they got a DUI, and they're putting lives in danger, but it's fucking cute, like, how they, you know. Anyways... But the people that keep that are like victims to recidivism, the people that keep making like the same uh bad choices is criminals, rich criminals, and shitheads. Those are the same people that keep repeating the same mistakes and keep finding themselves in courtrooms. Like Donald Trump. He's like, if you're rich, you're gonna find yourself in a courtroom at some point, no matter what, like every few years. <clears throat> but that motherfucker, Donald Trump, stay in a courtroom, whether it was some shit with the money, some shit with an election, some shit he did with a woman, like or he that motherfucker stay in a courtroom, you know what I'm saying? And it's something about Pac where it's like, I don't think he was ever really going to wake up. I think he was very comfortable with getting in trouble because what it is with recidivism is once you kind of know... What can or can't happen to you? You cool with it, right? You cool with it, like. And I got. Let me wrap this up. Excuse me, I'm I'm drinking Starbucks and uh, water at the same time. Yeah, not a wine pod today. How about that? But it's like Wapak. Well, it's like you you would think like okay, um, when in Marin. When he got into it at that barbecue or whatever, and that kid got shot, and he he caught like a... And Pac actually had to pay out the family like a certain amount of money because he was held liable, and a lot of people close to Pac say that that's something that haunted him for the rest of his life, that he was in an altercation where like a little kid got killed. Most people you would think like, okay, that's kind of going to make you calm down. Then in New York, he gets, the, he gets like the... The rape accusation, right, and it's also and where it was later founded that like uh, there was no semen or anything inside of her, and you know that that's again you can just kind of look up that whole thing on your own. But you would think like okay he gonna move different nope like soon, still having orgies still you know loose with the women when he gets out you know uh, gets shot five times quad studios you would think he'd be moving different and like he talked a little bit about moving different but he's in that death row environment nope still beating it and like Vegas is just what we saw so my whole thing is like I don't think Pac would have ever I think he it would have been like he had to be put in jail or whoa he got shot and because people were like oh no Pac would have been president and Pac would have had all these Oscars I don't think that's the case you know what I'm saying? I d I do don't think that'd be the case because also you gotta play this game because Pac lost a finger, he they removed one of his lungs, so he probably would have been confined to a wheelchair or walking with a limp the rest of his life. Probably sounding like the DOC. So th- to do this scenario, you have to where Pox is like, you know, savior for us, you also gotta do the scenario in which he doesn't get shot. But a scenario in which he doesn't get shot, he's not Pac. real quick got some upcoming tour dates if you guys happen to be in those cities or have people in any of those cities uh october 10th tuesday i will be headlining in santa barbara at brass bear uptown i always love going to santa barbara i'm I'm definitely going to get in early so i can hit the funk zone you know do a little wine tasting some of my My favorite restaurants are in Santa Barbara. That's going to be fun. Uh, Then, uh, October 21st, I am at Spreacher Brewery in Milwaukee. On the 22nd, I'm at House of Comedy in Detroit. That's probably going to be two shows. Uh, Yeah, two shows on a Sunday. It looks like it's going to sell out. Uh, 23rd, I'm at the Attic Comedy Club in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, The 24th i will be at the funny bone in cincinnati uh liberty township to be exact on the 26th i'll be at helium comedy club in buffalo on uh, no the 25th i'll be at helium comedy club in buffalo on the 26th i'll be at hilarity's fourth street theater in cleveland ohio and we will close out the rust belt tour on the 27th at City Winery in Pittsburgh, PA. And then I'm uh, I'm going to be up north. I'm, I'm uh, going to be in November. I will be uh, the 15th. I'm headlining the the Wind River Casino. Wait, wait, let me do this in chronological. The 14th, I'll be in Marin at the Throckmorton Theater. If any you, of you guys want to cross the bridge and be around some affluent shit. You know, I'll be at the Throckmorton Theater and Marin, and then the 15th, I will be headlining, uh, the Wind River Casino in Redding, California, there may be some Chico dates, some Bay Area dates in between, who knows, um, but yeah, yeah, f- yeah fuck, catch me at a show, and, uh, a- also, if you're in a city that I'm uh, not in, and you guys want to see some stand-up, uh, it- enter, uh, your email, no spam, and, uh, I'll-, I'll come to your fucking city, back to the pod, So, you may or may not be familiar with Bobby Altoff. Bobby Altoff is a TikToker. She started off as a TikToker making mom content. And then she started a podcast, right? And she does a podcast in the style of certain people like Funny Marco or Z-Way where she's kind of doing, like, a character, as she does it, you know, and the character is, like, very dry, and it's, like, like, she'll, she'll talk to, like, like, she had Drake in her podcast, and she was, like, so, I don't, like, know any of your songs, like, what songs do you do? Okay, that's cool, so is this, like, so you do music? I don't know who Lil Wayne is, Like that, that's, that's like her thing. And she's like, a. she, she's, she's cute. She's not like hot. And I I make that distinction, not, not to like shit on her, but I make that distinction because if, if a chick was doing that sort of satire, like, and she looked like, I don't know, like Hillary Duff is like, that's who I think Hillary Duff to me is like, Oh, that is a hot blonde woman. With Bobby, it's just like oh, she's like she's pleasant to look at, but at the same time, you're not like it's. It feels like less bitchy. But anyways, that's like a style that's like really hot right now. And then Bobby, so she had Drake on. And people are like, oh my god, she got Drake, and she interviewed Drake in a bed, and they're talking. But they, some of the clips are still up, but the entire she took down the entire podcast, and then her and Drake unfollowed each other. And people have different beliefs on that. Some people think it was because she was doing too much, and she uploaded like uh, a post of her at Drake's concert. She uploaded a TikTok of her at Drake's concert, and then she's standing next to two girls that are like vibing and enjoying the music, and she's just looking all awkward and unimpressed. Some people think it was that, and we all know that Aubrey's very petty. Then other people think it was because, um the interview did a bunch of numbers, and then Drake man popped in and said, hey, I'm gonna need a cut of that, uh, what you making, and then she was like, fuck you, like, you <laughs> ain't getting a cut of this, and then, you know, various reasons for all, work. I mean, everybody's saying she's an industry plant, uh, as well, and well, whatever, uh, and then there was like a, a little mini-controversy, because, uh, not controversy, but just people it was of a conversation because elliot wilson uh called out drake like man even if drake don't do another interview with us and elliot and uh beat out they do the rap radar podcast which is great it's it's basically like in the rap radar podcast is great because i don't know it's almost like inside the actor studio or 60 minutes for rappers but it's about more about the music because like a vlad interview it's going to be your life story or if you're like Tony Ayo or Boosie, where yeah, or Lord Jamar, it's gonna be like your take on current events. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's like it's very much like about the music. Like there's two great Nipsey Hustle podcast on there. You know, there's great conversation with Vince Staples on there. Will Smith's been on there. Jay Z's been on there. It's fucking dope. Um, and Dra- Drake's interview was a good one. And it, Especially because Drake doesn't do many of those. And Elliot was like, yo, like, even if you don't talk to us, like, I just hate that you're not talking to the culture. And he said it in his own way. And then Drake clowned him for uh, running around doing, like, walking and stop interviews at rolling loud. Anyways, that's that's the basis of that. Here's my thing, like, while I'm just bringing it up. I fucking hate that niggas is allowing... Bobby off in this space, I fucking hate it, and not that, like, here's what it is, is I don't like that it's like, I'm like this sarcastic white girl that's awkward, and like, I'm unimpressed, but also, I don't know anything, like, her character, I'm sure, like, she's a smart girl, what I don't like about that is one, they don't let black people get away with that shit. Like we can't be like, you know, fucking assholes or or bitchy or cunty and then go talk to white people's heroes. Like you you can't have like <laughs> Like they're not going to like let a nigga come around like just being a fucking idiot you know, talking to Robert De Niro or, or Taylor Swift or whoever it's, you know, isn't it funny. My problem is like white successful people. It's like, yeah, it's Robert De Niro and it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> By the way, I got nothing on, on Taylor Swift and that whole thing. I, I, you know, if something toxic happens and I'll talk about it like, like I would like Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard, but nothing toxic is happening inside and I don't really care. Um, it's just rich white people being happy, you know. Good, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, man, but like, it, it's a few things. One is like when a Z Way or a Funny Marco does it. There's still like a certain level of respect that they'll show their guest. So I saw it was Funny Marco, and he was talking to the baby. And Funny Marco does like similar type of style, but obviously it's going further with Bobby because white women can go further than black men. Um, but funny Marco's talking to, to the baby. And at one point, uh, funny Marco goes "What's something that people don't know about you, you, that you could tell us. And then the baby says some song that he got that just dropped. And then funny Marco says, that's not new information. That's worldwide right there. And the baby's like, I appreciate that. And he said, yeah, we all know about that. What's something we don't know? And obviously we didn't know this fucking song because people were just tired of the baby's music and it, it, who gives a fuck? You know, it's like on that Rocky Bullwinkle rapping. Like, we don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking cartoon. And he's got, he got joints that I like, but it's like, like it's saucy, but after that, it's like, I don't want to hear this shit. Anyways, um, You know, Z-Way will actually like know her guest history and she doesn't just interview like, but actually she kind of rarely interview talks to black people. And I get it. Like there's also this sort of contrast thing. It's like, let's have the awkward black girl or not the awkward black girl, but the sarcastic black girl talk to the, uh, the white people. And then let's have like the awkward sarcastic white girl talk to the black people. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, it's the contrast, but it's like, you know what it is? It's just the white mediocrity of it that fucking pisses me off. Cause like, you know, Z-Way is like charming. She's, uh, she's like a little flirtatious. She like, she laughs. She kind of like, you kind of feel like at any moment, you know, she, she could take her clothes off, but then you also feel like at any moment, she'll just be disgusted and tell you that you're like a pig and a horrible person. Like it's, there's like some nuance in that. Right. Whereas with the shit, and then funny, Marco's just, he's just a funny nigga. And then, but then with the way that Bobby does it is, it's it's like, yeah. So like, who are you? Like, I don't even know who you are. So like, why are you here? And I I don't know. That, that shit just bothers me. And I just had to get that off. I white mediocrity, just really, really, like it pisses me off how much better Funny Marco is Z Way have to be than Bobby Adolph. Also, the other, other thing is, and that's not like I'm watching Bobby shit, like, I'm not gonna act like it's not entertaining after a while, like, it gets real monotonous because it's just kind of like it's, like it's like a toddler talking to an adult. It's like, I don't know anything, can you tell me things? So, what is this? And this, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, that's that's my take. Oh, the other thing I want to say real quick on that, also why like I really am starting like dislike this sort of like satire interview is one motherfuckers aren't challenging, don't say anything, and I don't think and like there's this whole thing like where rappers don't want to do interviews now, and I believe like Drake don't want to do interviews, Kendrick don't want to do interviews, Cole don't want to do interviews. None of these niggas want to do interviews is because I think that these niggas are out of touch and all everybody's out. Like first off, rich people in general are just out of touch. You've been rich like 10, 15 years. You forget not everybody can afford that. You forget like Drake will make the mistake of like, he will be like your man did Hibachi. Your man got a party bus. It's like, yeah, nigga, these are like regular people that like your fucking music. Like we're listening to your music at hibachi and hookah and on the party bus and at the uh intercontinental and all the things that you shit on like you, you're pushing it bro you're pushing it or like the new song with drake said um whips and chains like american slave and it's like who told that nigga that was okay how come sasa didn't SZA didn't say anything about that bullshit right um but, yeah, I, I think, like, these niggas are scared to say the wrong thing, and that's why, like, they don't go to the breakfast club anymore. That's why they don't want to do the pods. It, you know, it's it's unfortunate. Um, lastly, though, the thing about, like, just Bobby's persona, and it, it's larger than just Bobby Altoff. It's also this thing of, like, I'm going to come into this black space and I'm going to capitalize off the fact that I'm not a nigga. Cause there's this video of Bobby in the, in the, a strip club in Atlanta, and she's on stage with the black dancers, and she's she's a skinny girl with you know no ass, and she's wearing like the the baggy Gen Z mom jeans, you know that now they're like just Gen Z girl jeans, but back in my day, like when I was a kid, they were mom jeans, and she's wearing them joints. And just looking all awkward in the strip club. And I just hate that, like it's like, yeah, I'm not a nigga. And I'm around niggas. That's I, oh, that shit pisses me off so much. NBA is back in a few weeks. Very excited. Uh let's get into a little quick uh preview uh with some uh, uh, some predictions on uh, and, and takes. Uh start off with what everybody's talking about, Milwaukee Bucks. I think the addition of Dame Lillard will work very, very well as far as entertainment is concerned. And Dame wants it. And this is the tail end of his prime because he's 33 years old. And this is when guards like this is kind of like he's been able to maintain it better than others, but he's a 6'2 guard. And with him, it's about, it's kind of like Allen Iverson where it's based on athleticism. It's not like, you know, he's not like LeBron where he's like 6'8 and 240 pounds and he he could just put his back up on somebody and shoot fadeaways. And then, you know, when he feels like it, he's like, all right, now I'm going to take over the game, but I'm going to preserve my body throughout the beginning of the uh, the series or uh, the first 30 minutes of the game, you know, Dame's an explosive guy. So, you know, this is the time to go for it. I'm glad that he forced the trade. Also, uh, look, I realize like he loves Portland and he's like, he liked Portland, obviously for selfish reasons. Like the fact that Oakland was super close, was like, you know, close, but not too close. And he embraced the city, but dude, Clyde Drexler and Bill Walton are the best Blazers, best Blazers of all time. Dame will get his jersey retired there, and I think it's he should have his jersey in the rafters as a Blazer. Also, just with what the standard is, because if Dame was like a Laker and had the same career and team success, then it'd be like nah. But you know, as a Blazer, yeah, you should put him up there. Uh, no, but I, I think it's gonna be really entertaining. I don't like to make oh they're gonna win it all predictions because it's like who gets injured. Who's, who is going to request a trade. I don't like to make those types of things. I also like that Giannis put his foot on the buck, buck's neck, and he was, Giannis was like a fucking African father. You know, it's like, if you guys do not do better, I will have to leave and find a better situation because I'm about winning. This is unacceptable. No, these grades are unacceptable, Milwaukee. So I like that he's like, hey, do something or else. I'm going to be out of here, you know. So I like Steph Curry. I like I like the weather out west. You know, I like... New York seems like Atlanta could be very, you know, he's, he could be Googling, uh, Greek populations (laughs) in America. Um, Denver, a lot of people think Denver is going to do something. uh, A lot of people think Denver could repeat. I think it's just a matter of, uh, how much Jokic cares. Cause he's somebody where people say like, yeah, he shows up to training camp out of shape. And we know like. We saw how much he gave a fuck about winning a ring. Like his brothers cared more about him winning a ring than he did. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think Denver's still a Denver's still a favorite. Boston. Look, I just don't think Jalen and Jason work. I just don't think they work together. I don't. I think they're going to be really entertaining. They could make the finals. They'll probably make the conference finals. But I don't see it happening. Uh, Miami of. Uh, hope they make a trade for somebody because I just just seen Jimmy Butler's run throughout the playoffs, which is really, really fucking fun. Like, because you, it felt like he was having a blast hooping, but he was really, you know, getting busy with it. Warriors CP3 joins the ops. It could work really well. I actually think I'm actually on the optimistic side of this because Chris Paul, like, really enjoys hooping. Uh he likes wine. Uh he's in the business. And I think the proximity of wine country and Los Angeles, I think Chris Paul is really gonna find himself at home in the Bay Area. And I think he's also just gonna like like hooping, like setting up plays for Stephan Clay. Like I think he's just gonna get into like his basketball bag, his hooper bag, it just really like the same reason why Kevin Durant, like obviously Kevin Durant wanted a ring, but KD was just like, yo, I'm a hooper and I just wanted to hoop with these dudes. I think, like, I think Chris Paul's really gonna fall in love with that. Uh, Lakers, LeBron said AD needs to step up. He didn't say that, he said Anthony Davis is the face of the franchise, and now it's his way of saying. Uh, nigga, it's on you. That's his way of saying the media. I'm in my 21st season. So don't be telling me I'm underperforming. Like I, this is greatness motherfucker. So because LeBron knows how to send a cryptic message. So, and as a Laker fan, AD does need to step up, uh, new, uh, new, new rules and things we got this season. Uh, we're going to have the end season tournament tournament. Um, it's not as exciting as the playing games, but I think it could be a start to breaking up the monotony of the regular season. Uh, we now have a flopping rule, thank God. Uh, we have the resting players violation. I love it. Uh, predictions, and I don't want to predict who's going to win MVP or Rookie of the Year, any of that stuff. I just, I just want uh, predictions that are going to happen throughout the the season. Uh, one, Wimby gets hurt and leaves us unimpressed. I think, like he's such a tall guy. He's going to be playing, like, a more uh, physical game. Guys are going to be banging him. And, you know, I I, I, th- I see him, like, just slipping or landing awkwardly. And also just for, like, I say, it, like, I want him to succeed because I think if he's entertaining, it's good for basketball. But I think uh, just with the way that he's been hyped up, I can just kind of see it being, like, Oh, well, is that all? Like, because the way people talk about him, like he's going to be the next cream Abdul Jabbar, and I just think, like, when you know, with the exception of LeBron, and even like LeBron, we talk like, oh, he's going to be the greatest thing ever. And his first season was fine. It was like he, it, LeBron's first rookie season is the same as Michael Jordan's last season as a wizard, statistically almost identically. I, you know, take that for what you will. um But I think Webby could be a great player. But I just think his rookie season we're kind of going to be like, eh, is that it? Um Chris Paul and Draymond have a huge argument with quotables. That's another thing I predict. You got to remember, these guys are both used to being team captains. These guys are both floor generals. These guys are both loud. These guys are both assholes. I think Chris Paul's like a more kind of polished asshole whereas Draymond is just like a more like rowdy motherfucker, but I could just see them like really just getting into it. I could see Dre making a comment about his rings uh, and how many times they beat them before in a practice. I could I could see things like I could see things getting ugly and it leaking into the papers and it being a thing. Um, I predict Zion's gonna have a good year. I think he's like he—he he, he looks buff, he looks jacked. I think he's focused. I think with all the pornography drama and all, baby mama drama and all the shit he's got going on and Twitter shenanigans, I think he's just gonna hoop and just you know enjoy it and hopefully he connects with his teammates better. I want—I want to see the kid win. Final prediction: Russell Westbrook has a six-man of the year-worthy season. I think. I think it's good that he's staying in L.A., but I also think it's like he's home, but I also think it's good that he's not on the team where it's it's like the number one fan base. I mean, I don't know who's like got the bigger fan base, Lakers or Knicks, but you know what I'm saying is like he's, he's, he's home, but at the same time, it's not as much pressure as playing for like a Lakers organization, a Knicks organization, you know, and I think he's going to be able to – I, I, I think he's he's going to have a good year. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you guys very, very much for tuning in. Our next episode, we're going to get into the relationships and the dating and talk about the... the the P and the V and the women cause you know I'll, I'll take a break from the current events pods but, it, it, but again if something fucking crazy happens like, I gotta fucking talk about it but with like you know, the arrest being made in the the pot case. It's like we, we got a pot about that. But with that said, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm not gonna be on a schedule because I'm so fucking busy. but that said, you get these episodes when you get them. Hope you appreciate it. And if you appreciate it, shout me out. Let me know you liked it. Tag me on social media. Let me know that you enjoyed this because I really don't have to do this shit. <laughs> have a nice week.